Welcome to the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast, your weekly dose of accounting and tax tips specific to small business owners. You will be on your way to growing your business and paying the least amount in taxes as legally possible. Here's your host, Mike Jezoshek, CPA. Hello, and welcome back to another episode. My name is Mike Jezoshek, and I'm the host over here at the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast. And today we're doing a Q&A session, and I absolutely love these Q&A sessions because it gives me the opportunity to answer questions from listeners just like you. And if you want your question potentially answered on a future episode, definitely submit your question. You can do it directly on our website. Go to taxsavingspodcast.com, click podcast on the top, scroll down to the bottom and submit your question and you never know. Your question might be on our next Q&A episode. So let's get right to it. Let's start diving into the questions that listeners have sent over over the last few months. Remember, we do these every two months, so it gives us an opportunity to sit down, answer questions that you have. So the first question we have here is from Brett, and he said, here's a question I haven't found an answer to anywhere on the internet. I am a business owner of an S-Corp with a simple IRA plan. We do an elective 3% match contribution for employees. As owner, this year, I am projected to make 200000 50000 of that is in a W-2 salary, and the other 150000 is from distributions. Is the 3% employer match based on just the W-2 salary portion, or can it match the full $200,000, including distributions? So, Brett, this is a great, great question. And when you're an S-corporation, any retirement contributions are going to be based solely on your salary. So if you were set up as a sole proprietorship, a single member LLC, then your contributions amounts would be based on the profit of the business. But because you're set up as an S corporation, any retirement contribution type items are going to be based on that reasonable salary that you take as an owner. And so this is oftentimes when questions like this come up about retirement planning for the business owners, oftentimes we will encourage them to go into a solo 401k. Because when we move to an S corporation, we run into an issue. If we're looking to maximize retirement contributions with an S corporation, we're also looking to take as low of a salary as legally possible. Now, we know with an S corp, we have to take a reasonable salary, whatever that might be. But we also want that salary to be as low as possible to minimize the amount we're paying in self-employment taxes. Well, that contradicts this idea we want to max out retirement. Because as we're lowering that salary, the amount that we can put away towards retirement in an S corporation goes down. And so when we look at picking a retirement plan for a business owner, you know, again, when we look at retirement plans, look at two things. One, who are we looking to take care of? And there can be multiple choices. Is it the business owner or is it their employees or both? And then, you know, what are, what is the purpose of the plan? Oftentimes it's to fund retirement for the owner. Other times it's to retain, get, and keep uh, good, talented employees. So when we look at retirement planning, we, we oftentimes we might steer towards a different retirement plan as a sole proprietorship than we would as a S corporation owner. Why? Just because of the amounts that we can put in. And if you're truly looking to maximize retirement in a S corp, the best option for you is going to be either a solo 401k if you have no employees or a safe harbor 401k if you have employees. Simple IRA, great retirement strategy, but it's going to limit the amount that you can put away towards retirement as the owner because you have those simple IRA limits where the solo 401k or a safe harbor 401k has higher limits that you can put away. So 
just to go back to your question, yes, the, the you're limited to the amount of salary. The salary is going to be what the retirement contribution amounts are based off of, not distributions. And that's specifically for an S corporation. If you're looking to personally maximize retirement, you might want to look into a safe harbor 401k if you have employees or a solo 401k if you don't have employees, because those structures are you going to give you the ability to maximize retirement contributions, both from an employee and potentially an employer as well. So hopefully that was helpful, Brett. And the next question we have is from Christine. And she said, do I have to get an EIN number as a sole proprietorship to pay my 16-year-old for minimal work? He is the only employee I have. Thank you. Uh, so Christine, as a sole proprietorship, you're not required to get an EIN. You would just use your social security number as your EIN, but you can get an EIN as a sole proprietorship. Now, if you start to bring on employees, that's when an EIN would be something you'd want to get. So I would say, you know, what's why not get an EIN? EINs are free. You can get them really easily. Go into the IRS website, fill out their form, takes a few minutes, and you get your EIN traditionally instantly. So what would be the downside of not getting an EIN? I would say just go get that EIN so you have it. You have it when you need it. If you have people that are paying your sole proprietorship, you then no longer you can use your EIN for that. So I would say just go ahead and get that EIN to be careful. But if you don't have employees, an EIN is not technically required, but you can, of course, still get one. Sadie said, my husband and I recently started a digital marketing agency. We are a multi-member LLC. Can we claim our clients' ad spend as an expense? And if so, how do we categorize it for tax purposes? So digital agency, multi-member LLC, they have clients that they're paying for their ad spend for as an expense, and how do they categorize it? So first off, I would say, are you paying for your client's ad spend? If so, that will absolutely be an expense for you. Now, how do we categorize? It's going to change a different thing. You know, So there, there's a couple of ways that we can set this up. We can just take that ad spend as an expense, as a cost of goods sold. You know, This is going to be a cost of goods sold because it's specifically related to the service that you're providing to your clients. So you can take that as an expense, as a cost of goods sold. If you're just acting as that intermediary, like let's say that you are, just as an example, let's say you had $800 in ad spend and the client's always just going to reimburse you directly for that $800. And then you're just going to add in a 10% management fee. So you send that invoice out, you're saying, okay, ad spend's $800. And then you also owe us $80 for that management fee or that consulting fee or whatever, because it was 10% of that ad spend. In that case, you have a couple different ways that you could do this. You could say that the ad spend is a liability or a, a receivable that then when you get paid, it just offsets. So it's not income when you bill for that. And it's also not an expense. It's just an offset on the balance sheet. What we traditionally and the easiest way to set up, especially for a small business, is you know take that when they reimburse you for that ad spend, take that as sales and obviously take the deduction for the expense. So absolutely, you want to get that deduction. Just know that if you're getting also reimbursed for that, that's going to be income or sales to you. So if you had a $1,000 invoice and of that 800 was for ad spend, you're going to have sales of $1,000. You're going to have a cost of goods sold of ad spend for 800, which means your gross profit is, is $200. So absolutely get to take an expense for it. It's just how we're going to categorize it. Typically, we'd say do it as a cost of goods sold for ad spend. Next question is from Lacey. It says, she said, since it's already late in the year, can I still convert my LLC into an S Corp? Is that an audit red flag? So Lacey, depending on when you are looking to 
create that start date for that S-Corp? Absolutely. We can do a late election on an S-Corporation. And basically that late election is saying you have to fill out the same form 2553. There's some additional documents that you have to put in, but we're just asking for relief for a late election. We can backdate that to January 1st of 2023 if we want. So, you know, we see this a lot where you have an LLC, you're thinking you might need an S-Corp, but you're not quite sure. You're you know, you're going throughout the year to see how that business is going. All of a sudden, you had a great year. You know, new clients was booming, business was booming. And now you get to a point where you're like, oh man, I should really be an S corporation. But it's, you're past that two and a half months that you get, you know, without a late election to to request it. You can request a late election. In that late election, we got to make sure we're doing form 2553, right? We have a, a series on this in our S corp. Go to taxsavingspodcast.com forward slash S corp. We have a full series, a whole guide that we put together for S corporations, but you can do a late election back to January 1st of 2023. The key thing is that if we're backdating that election to January 1st of 2023, we need to make sure we ran payroll for all of 2023. And since we're already in October, you likely haven't ran any payroll yet, but you likely have taken money out of the business. And what we can do is we can do a catch-up payroll here in October. We're going to get the payroll software set up. We're going to run a catch-up payroll, and we're just going to say, okay, we're just going to do a bonus or a payroll right now today for, let's say your reasonable salary was just easy numbers. Let's say your reasonable salary was $100,000 or three quarters of the year. So you should have taken a $75,000 salary so far. We can do a catch-up payroll today in October. We're going to take a payroll for $75,000, and we're just going to move some of those distributions that you already took into that payroll. So when you run that payroll, you're not actually going to pay yourself $75,000. You're just going to pay the taxes on it, and then whatever the net portion is, the portion that you would have got as an employee, you're just going to choose to write that as a check. And some of those draws or distributions that you already took, we're going to move into that that take-home portion. So absolutely, can still convert an LLC, an LLC into an S-Corp for 2023. Just need to make sure that you have ran a, a reasonable payroll. You're doing a catch-up payroll now to catch up for that full year then that you're considered an S-Corporation. And one caveat on this, you mentioned that you're an LLC, but if you were not an LLC and you've been operating as a sole proprietorship, we cannot do an S-Corp on a sole proprietorship. So if you wanted to do that, you would have to start an LLC and then you can only be an S-Corporation from the date that LLC starts forward. So if you had a great year as a sole proprietor, there's nothing that we can do from an S-Corp standpoint with that income from that sole proprietorship up until this point. Now we can start an LLC now, and then everything moving forward, we can take advantage of that, that S-Corp. So there's something to keep in mind. I know this wasn't relevant to you, but maybe there's other listeners that are going through a similar situation of saying, oh, again, had a great year, made $100,000 in profit so far this year. I think an S-Corp might make sense. Yes, we can backdate it if you have that LLC structure set up. If you don't, do it now. For those of you that are starting a business, we also always say, you know, an LLC is a great structure to set up. You can always remain an LLC without an S-corporation until you're ready. But when you have that LLC structure in place, what that does is first, it gives you all the legal protections and a lawyer can talk to you about that. But when you have that LLC set up and in place, it gives you that option to convert to an S-corporation whenever it makes sense for you. Where if you don't have that LLC set up, you can get into a trap where you have a lot of income coming through that's stuck in a sole proprietorship, and then you don't have that S-corp option. So there's something to keep in mind. A question from Shakita, if I have a business that has a location outside of my home, but also do part of my work from home, could any part of adding an addition to my home be tax deductible? And Shakita, yeah. So what we're talking about here is a home office. 
as long as you have a location in your home that you use for administrative purposes, you do your billing, your invoices, your bookkeeping, you do administrative work at that home office, but then you do other work at a different office, you can take a home office deduction. Now, how you take that home office deduction will depend on you know how you're set up. If you're set up as a sole proprietorship, single member LLC, you're just going to take that home office deduction on your Schedule C on your 1040. If you're set up as an S corporation, you're going to use an accountable plan to reimburse yourself for that home office use. The key thing here is, yes, you can have two office locations and one of them being your home as long as it is an administrative office. And of course, as long as that area is exclusive and you're meeting everything you need for a home office where it's exclusive to the business and everything else. But yes, that can absolutely be uh, tax deductible in something that we see oftentimes. We say, really, we should be able to find a way to make a home office in any business owner. You know, let's say you're a doctor and you're a, a dentist, as an example. Obviously, you're not t- taking care of clients, taking care of customers at your house. You have your, your, you have your dental office that you're doing that work in. But if you do administrative work at home, now you have a dental office, you have an administrative office that's at home. Now you get a deduction for your dental office, you get a deduction for your administrative office at home. Great way, great strategy to utilize. This also is cool because now when you go from an office to an office, that's deductible mileage. That's deductible automobile expense. If you go from one office to an office, from a client to a client, that's deductible. If you go from your home to an office, that's a commute. But when you have a home office, you start work in the morning at your administrative office, and now you go from your administrative office to your client office, that's a tax deduction. So just some added power to it, you know, over and above just the home office deduction. Now we're also getting additional travel or, or automobile deductions on top of it. We have a question from Richard. What happens if I do not take a reasonable salary for my S Corp? I currently have not ran payroll this year or last year. So this is a good question. Essentially, with, with an S corporation, we, we try to drive this point home really, really clear, is that with an S corp, you are required to take a reasonable salary as the owner of the business. So if you didn't run payroll this last year, you know you could have the IRS come knocking. If you didn't run payroll yet this year, no worries. We're still in October. You have time to run payroll. Just make sure you do a catch-up payroll to, to catch up for that payroll missed. So the question is, what happens if you don't take it? Well, more than likely, the IRS is going to come knocking and the IRS is going to say, hey, you're set up in this corporation, you're an owner, you're not taking any reasonable salary in your business, and therefore, we're going to come back and we're going to move some of your owner's distributions or your owner's draws that you previously took into a salary, and now you got to pay back taxes, back payroll fees, back uh, penalties, fines, everything else. So it's not a good spot to be. We always say, if you're going to be an S corporation, do it right. Take that reasonable salary, get that reasonable salary set up from the beginning. But if we made a mistake, we didn't do it now. What the IRS can do is they can take distributions. They're going to determine what they believe is a reasonable salary for you. And then they're going to move distributions that you took or owner draws that you took. They're going to move them into payroll. And then you're going to owe payroll taxes on that, late penalties, interest, fines, everything else. We have a question from Jordan. My business has lost money the past three years, but things are looking to turn around this year. Can I use those prior losses or are they gone? First off, they're definitely not gone. Any losses that you have are not gone. But the one thing I would say is, have you used those losses to offset other income that you might have had already? Because if so, then yeah, they're gone, but you used them. They're not unused and gone. They're gone, but you used them. So 
you'd have to look at your prior returns and say, hey, have you used some of those losses from the business previously to offset other income that you might have had that was able to be offset by them? If the answer to that is no, you didn't use those losses or there was no other income to offset, then yes, at the federal level, businesses can carry forward with they call this a net operating loss or an NOL. You can carry forward that NOL indefinitely. But one key thing to think about is that with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, you can only use 80% of those against your taxable income of those losses in, in, in future years. So you can carry forward indefinitely, but you can use only use 80% of your taxable income. So let's go through a quick example. Let's say you had $300,000 in losses that were just accumulating. Now you have this $300,000 in a net operating loss that has been carried forward. And now this year, you have income of $100,000. Of that $100,000, you can only use 80%. So you can use 80,000 of those 300,000 in losses to offset your income. So now your income this year is going to be $20,000. $100,000 minus the 80% is $80,000 deduction. Your taxable income this year is going to be $20,000. And of that 300 of carry for that you had, it's now going to go down by 80. So you're going to have $220,000. It's going to continue to carry forward. So that little change was part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act back in 2017. But yes, you can carry forward those net operating losses indefinitely. We have a question from Danielle. Is anyone familiar with 1099 a mechanic? I've tried to do some research, but it isn't very clear. I've been told we cannot because it would be a nightmare. Then I've read that we can. I'm very confused. So Danielle, to really truly answer this question, I would need to know what kind of business are you in? Are you are you an auto body shop that has a mechanic working for you? And if that's the case, it would depend on your relationship. And, and we have an episode that we did on on independent contractor versus employee to definitely check out. But if it's if it's someone that's doing work for you, you're an auto body shop, you're in the business of fixing cars or you know an, an auto a fixing shop and you're in the, that business and you bring on this person as a worker for you, traditionally that's going to be a W2 employee. Is there a possibility that you could 1099 them? Maybe, depending on what that relationship would be like. Now, if you're in the business of you are hiring, you're in the business of you del- you deliver for Amazon, but you have vehicles that you then take to a me- mechanic to get fixed. Would you 1099 that mechanic potentially? So check out our episode on independent contractor versus employee, as well as in that same episode, we have 10 information about 1099s here for 2023. So check that out when it comes and that's going to give you some information there. If you want, put in the free Facebook group uh, or, or shoot another email just to follow up with what is your situation? You know, give us some more details on your exact situation. I can answer that question more detailed specifically for you. We have Josh and he said, I own a landscaping business taxed as an S Corp. I'm looking to hire my kids eight and 10, but just don't know what to do to ensure I'm doing everything correctly. Please help. So Josh, great question. You know, first thing I would say is check out our tax minimization program. Check out the article that we did on hiring your kids. Check out our tax minimization program. Within the article, we give you everything you should need to know. So you go through that article and, and podcast episode that we did on hiring your kids first. Any questions you have after that, let me know. If you're looking for more things like the various documents and things you help support that deduction, check out our tax minimization program. You can find that exactly right on taxsavingspodcast.com. Basically, when we're hiring our kids, we want to make sure one, We want to have an employment agreement in place saying, okay, here's what you're doing. Here's what we're going to pay you. Let's make this look legit. We also want to have a job description. 
what's that child going to be doing for your business? And then we also want to have a timesheet that tracks what are they doing, what how many hours are they putting in, what's the date, what's their pay, and everything else. And we also want to have a reasonable pay. So we want to be paying them a rate that makes sense for exactly what they're doing. So when you're hiring your kids, they have to be doing actual work for your business, just making sure you're documenting all that. But again, check out our article, check out tax minimization program. We have more details on that. We have a question from an anonymous Facebook group member. And if you're not part of our free Facebook group, go ahead and join now. Go to te- uh, go to Facebook and just type in small business tax secrets and you'll be able to join the group there. Join you know tens of thousands of other small business owners that are uh, asking questions, collaborating with others and learning directly in that Facebook group. But we have a question from an anonymous Facebook group member. And they said, wife is a third year real estate person, agent in California. She has done much better this year compared with prior years. She likely grossed $250,000 in commission, operating as an LLC S-Corp status, pays herself as the only W-2 employee. We'll probably have about $150,000 in pass-through profit. Don't really want to pay too much in taxes, need strategy, suggestions, account towards deductions. Thanks. Well, and I'm going to say, so remember, I'd say you are in the right place. Throughout the previous few weeks and leading up to the end of the year, we're going through all these different tax strategies of what you should be doing to make sure this is the year that you pay the least amount in taxes as legally possible. So hanging out the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast, reading our blog posts, subscribing to our YouTube channel, going through all those things is exactly where you need to be because you are the type of person that we're here for. We're here to help make you or give you the idea of the strategies that are available to you, how you do them, what you need to know about them. So I'd say you're in the right place. Check out previous episodes, check out the content that we're working on, check out the things we've been doing and continue to subscribe and tune into future episodes. We just continue to touch on this. Remember, my goal and our whole mission here is to make sure every business owner in America knows the tax strategies available to them to pay the least amount of taxes as legally possible. So definitely check that out. If you want to go even deeper, you want access to our team, you want all those types of things, Check out our Tax Elm software and tax minimization program. You can go to taxsavingspodcast.com. Let's go two more questions. We have an anonymous Facebook group member that said, I have an LLC taxes and S corporation. I accidentally paid my 1040 estimated tax at 1040ES estimated tax payments from my business account. Can I set this transaction as an owner's draw? First off, because you're set up as an LLC taxes and S corporation, that's considered a pass through entity. So any profit from that S corporation is going to flow through to you personally, and then you personally are where you're going to pay the taxes on that profit. So when we're paying taxes, estimated tax payments for an S corporation, we want to try to do those from our personal account. If you accidentally did them from your business or that's where the money was, no problem. Yeah, just mark it as an owner's draw. No problem there. But I, but in a perfect world, it should be paid personally because that's a personal tax, not a business tax. But yeah. Make sure it's currently as an owner's draw. It is not an expense to the business. So that's one key aspect is that tax payment that you make for your personal taxes from your S corporation, that is not a business expense, but you can just move it as an owner's draw on the balance sheet. All right, last question. LLC taxes and S corporation. Owner paid $2,500 to the business account on the first day. Where do I need to put this amount in the 1120S? Owner's equity, reimbursement, capital stock. Thanks in advance. So traditionally, if it is the initial capital, so it's a brand new business and they put $2,500 in to fund this business, traditionally, we're going to put that in capital stock or additional paid in capital. So that's where it's going to go. 
Now, if this business has been around for a while and they're having to put some equity into it, we can either put that into additional paid in capital or we can have a shareholder loan, which would be something that we would pay back to that shareholder. Either way, it's 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 possible. If it's a shareholder loan, we want to make sure that we're actually treating it as a loan. We have some interest potentially in there and looking into that. So just something to consider. But yeah, if it is the initial, just $2,500 to fund this new business, put it in capital stock or additional paying capital, that's a perfect place for that. So again, hopefully this was helpful. I absolutely love these sessions. I love being able to answer listener questions like yours. And hopefully if you're like, hey, I have a question. I want Mike to answer it live. Go to our website now. Go to taxsavingspodcast.com. Click podcast on the top. Scroll down to the bottom and submit your question. You never know when your question might be answered live on our next Q&A episode. And just remember, as we continue throughout the year, once 1231 hits, most tax planning opportunities get thrown out the window. So now is the opportunity. If you have not started tax planning yet, or if you have not completed implementation of the tax strategies that we talk about every single week on the podcast here, now is the time to take action. Get that stuff done so you're not worrying about it. And remember, our goal for everyone here is for you to pay the least amount in taxes as legally possible. And that is our mission. That's our purpose of the podcast. And that is where I hope to hear and continue to hear stories from small business owners across the country that are doing exactly that. So thank you for listening to another episode. And I will see you next week. This has been another episode of the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast. If you enjoy our weekly episodes, please leave a review and share with other business owners. You can find previous episodes and more information at www.taxsavingspodcast.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.